the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. One of the things about growing a firm, it's like raising a kid, is that it's it's an organic thing that's alive, that changes over time, that has different threats, different successes, different problems. And to take that time to reset and just sort of analyze where am I at, what am I doing right, I think that goes right along with Tyson's automation and you know delegation stuff. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I am Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, excited to have our very first lawyer guest on the show, attorney Mike Campbell. Mike, how are you? I'm well. How are you two gentlemen doing this morning? Doing great. We're great. We're excited to have you on the show, Mike. Awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. So tell us a little bit about your practice, sort of when you finished law school, how you got started, and how you came to own your own firm. Sure. So I graduated from the University of Missouri in 2011. I immediately started working for a local general practice firm. I did some family law and decided that wasn't for me at all. And then another local lawyer asked me to come work for him, help me work in his practice. He primarily did personal injury, criminal defense, workers' compensation, worked with him for two years, built something really good with him. And all along, I think he knew that I was ambitious. And so he supported my decision actually to start my own practice. And so whenever I decided to make that leap, he was uh, on board. It was a great departure. So, well, it's been close to two years that I've had my own firm here in Columbia, Missouri, where I focus on personal injury, criminal defense, and workers' compensation. So how did you pick where to put your office and how did you sort of go through that? Well, I was driving to Ashland, Missouri, which is sort of like a suburb of Columbia every day. And I decided I was spending so much time on the road. I get really stressed out when I drive. I don't know. I'm not from St. Louis, so I'm not used to uh, your guys' kind of traffic. But um, I uh, pick my office just for location. So I am in the village of Cherry Hill, which is directly across the street from my house. And it's also a great location because the parking is great. The clients I have who come out there appreciate that they don't have to look for a spot like as in downtown Columbia. And then recently, I'm from a small town Tyson's familiar with, Centralia, Missouri, and I I just opened a practice there as well. So I have two offices 
And I, I go to Centralia once a week. It's funny, Mike, you listed the two armpits of Missouri, Ashland and Centralia. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm familiar with both of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I- Tyson drops the hammer right out of the box. So, so I went to Hallsville, and those are like our two biggest rivals. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a, two a Hallsville guy on Centralia, the armpits rich. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully this will be lost on most of our listeners. <laughs> it will be. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Mike, so I think that's really smart to put the office close to your home. I, I think the grind of driving back and forth every day is a lot of wasted time. For a long time, my office was five minutes from my house and I could be at work uh, very quickly. It usually took me about a song or a song and a half to get to work. And recently we moved our family house and I'm sure that eventually we'll move our law firm closer to where I live. I'm a big proponent of that. You know, Jimmy and Mike said something that was actually really interesting because it sounds like he really thinks about it from a client's perspective. He said, you know, the parking's really easy to get to. Like that's one of the first things he said. And that's, I think that's overlooked by a lot of attorneys when they're looking for an office. So I think that's smart. You're, you're thinking right away, I've got to find a spot that's got really easy parking. And I know, Jim, you're not familiar with Cherry Hill, but in Columbia, it is far better than parking downtown. Downtown's terrible. There's not enough parking garages. But he's got a very, very convenient location. I think, Mike, I think you picked a great spot. Thanks. I appreciate that. And one of the things I really looked at whenever I was looking to put an office space was, you know, are there other attorneys out there? There are not. And then also accessibility. So you have parking, but my building also has an elevator, you know, so it's not like folks have to climb steps or anything like that. And it's not hard to get to. I mean, by the time you drive downtown and try to look for a spot, you can already be in my office and upstairs in my office meeting with me. So it really is a lot more accessible than some of the places I looked downtown. Are you finding more clients coming from around the immediate area of the office or do they still coming up from Columbia? The people that come to my Columbia office, they come from all over the place and the road out there is, is not that bad. It's all, you know, four lanes. And so it, it, it's really not necessarily the immediate area, more or less the same people who would go downtown still come out there. All right. So Mike, I kind of want to jump into the issue while you're here because I think it's something, an issue that we can maybe take a long time on and I don't want to take too much time on it. So will you give everybody your just a quick summary of what issue you're having? Sure. So staffing. Staffing is a major issue for me. When I first went out on my own, obviously I did not have any staff. It was just me. And so I decided to make the leap to hire two employees, two part-time employees. Best decision I made. Scary decision. Now I'm at another growth phase where I need to decide, do I bring on a paralegal? Do I bring on a contract attorney? Do I, you know, what are my options? And wh- how long has your firm been around? It would be April 15, so a year and a half. So that's incredible growth. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Walk us through the mindset, Mike. Tell us what your thought process is, sort of what led you to hire the two part-time people before and sort of where you're at now. What's making you ask yourself these questions about hiring somebody else? Well, so whenever it was just me, and I've heard you guys talk about this before, whenever you brought on staff, your first thought was, I need to be there by eight o'clock. I need to beat everybody there to the office. And so I enjoyed being by myself since I didn't want to have that obligation. But I had too much work to do. And it was it was things that I didn't need to be doing. So I have one staff member, her only responsibility is to come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and request medical records and medical bills. 
and she comes in every Tuesday and Thursday morning. She works in a medical office and she comes in and she just does that. And that's her only job. And then the other one is a college student who does most of my intakes and then takes those intakes and puts them into, I use Clio and then returns calls for me. And those are all tasks that I feel like if I were doing them, I wouldn't be helping my firm grow. I wouldn't be helping my clients on their cases. And now I've sort of reached another hurdle here where even with that extra help, there are tasks that maybe a paralegal could be doing for me, drafting certain documents, looking at certain documents, speaking with clients because of the amount of volume I've recently seen come into the office in terms of injury clients and criminal clients. And so you're seeing an uptick in that and you're sort of keeping track of the caseload. Yeah, yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have a couple good things happen this summer. And when you resolve a good case or a couple good cases, you are immediately excited and then you think, oh my God, what's going to replace this case? <laughs> so fortunately, I've, I've had that and plus some. And so now it has gotten to a point to where I'm in the office, you know, 12, 14 hours a day and doing things that maybe someone else could be doing. I think that's the number one issue. If you're doing things that other people should be doing or could be doing, and if you're doing $10 an hour work when you should be doing $300 an hour work or big picture stuff that's sort of even unquantifiable from a cash perspective, I think that you really want to separate out what you're doing that only you can do versus the kinds of things that you can outsource. Don't you think, Tyson? You took the words right out of my mouth because I was thinking, Mike, have you gone through the process of looking at, okay, what can I delegate? What can I eliminate? What can I automate? Have you done all that? You know, I have. I, I did a couple of months ago. I need to go back and revisit that. And I'm trying to put the systems in place so that when I do delegate, you know, it's clear as clear can be on what are the steps you take to get this task accomplished. If it's a letter representation, you know, an entry of appearance, or it's a letter to an ERISA carrier or something like that, I'm putting those systems into place so when I do delegate, they can get out. But I, I need to go back and revisit that for sure. And you mentioned something else. I mean, there's there's multiple balls in the air here, right? I mean, it's not just do you have enough work to delegate to other people? And that's one part of it, you know. Another part of this is also, do you have the finances that back it up? And one of my questions is, are you tracking your numbers to know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months in, into the future that you're going to have the resources to pay these three people? Right. And so that's where the fear came in early on was looking at my overhead. Could I really justify bringing a couple people on? And I just decided, yes, I think I can do this because it's going to free up my time to go hustle. Like you said, Tyson, always hustling. <laughs> and uh, get more cases, meet more people, get out there in the community. And fortunately, that worked out really well, because it did free up that time. My overhead right now, I don't know if I could bring on someone you know, full-time, full salary with benefits. And so it is a little frightening, I'll admit to try to figure out what to do. In my opinion, I think you need to go back to the delete, delegate, diminish kind of mindset, see what you can pare down and see what you can continue to delegate. And then also add in an automation element. As you know, adding on another person, it's it's an added cost. It, it takes away more of your time. 
if you could add in an automation element maybe to some of this, you would be able to maybe even bring your overhead down, okay? Instead of having to hire more people, you bring your overhead down and you make yourself more efficient. So, I mean, and you know the work much more than Jim and I do. So that's, I mean, that's obvious. But I think if you haven't done that in a couple months, maybe before looking at hiring another person, because I think with paralegal stuff, you can teach a lot of that stuff because I'm sure you have a demand letter that you do a, a certain way. You have a, a petition that you do a certain way. These are so-called paralegal activities, but you can easily teach them to someone. Just like Jim. Jim has a very set checklist on how he does his immigration stuff. I think if you don't have that, maybe you need to revisit that and add those into your practice. And Mike, I think that lawyers are often, and I've been guilty of this, too quick to hire. I think that there comes times in our practice, because, you know, it is a roller coaster where things are very, very busy and our knee-jerk reaction is, oh, I need to hire someone. I need to hire someone. And I'm not discouraging you from hiring someone. That's like Tyson said, you know, that's something that you know more about it, the situation on the ground than we do. But I, I would encourage you to think, how can I hire the least to do this? How? What's the least amount I can hire? What's the least amount I can commit to? What's the you know, what are all the things that need to get done and, and then try to find that person as opposed to saying, I need another lawyer to handle half my caseload. And I'm not saying that's what you said, but it's just sort of a tricky situation. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. And, and Mike, what are some of the things that you've tried to this point that are just not working? Well, you've talked about in the past, the Infusionsoft building the campaigns. I have not jumped onto the Infusionsoft train yet. What I'm doing, I use Clio. I've been building templates, checklists, the problem I've had is trying to build those systems while at the same time still getting cases in, not having those systems available so that we, you know, we can funnel every case through the lens of this is the checklist that we use for this type of case. This is the system we use. So I think my biggest problem is I've got to do this for a DUI. I've got to do this for a personal injury case. I've got to do this for a workers' compensation case. And trying to figure out if I need to just shut the office down for a week and just build those things or take a week off and just build those things and put them into place or, you know, just kind of keep plugging away at it one day at a time. And hopefully in a couple months, those things will be available for my staff to use. The way I look at it is that if my staff does something wrong, and this might be the wrong way to look at it, if my staff does something wrong, it's because I haven't given them the right tools they need to do it right. Does that make sense? Always, that's always true. To address the, the infusion sub thing, I think there's a couple different ways of looking at it, and you're, you're talking to two people that have done it completely different ways. You can do it yourself, that's the way I've done it, and it takes a long time, and I can give you some pointers on how to do it or you can do what jimmy did and jimmy hired someone and jim's had two experiences i think and you can speak to this jim but i think you've had a bad experience and then a really good experience so it really depends on who you hired jimmy do you want to talk about maybe the hiring part of it to maybe hire someone to do the automation for you yeah well i, I think we need to all step back though a minute i think that one thing tyson's taught me is that it's really good to record what you're doing all the time. I, I've gotten to the point now where I really think I'm going to record most of the conversations I have and, and take nuggets out of all those to really, I don't think you need to stop business and build out the campaigns. I, I, I struggle with this all the time. I always liking it to 
trying to repair the boat while I'm steering the boat. You know, I'm trying <laughs> to I'm trying to make the boat bigger. I'm trying to keep any leaks from from bursting at, in the seams of the boat. But at the same time, the boat has a destination, and that's you know getting all of our clients to the happy place they want to be. Right. Sure. So it's tough. It's I think it's an eternal struggle. But I think that one thing that you can do. I mean. For Tyson, with his training, he's been really good about, you know, recording it, videotaping it, transcribing it, and turning it into a manual. That way it's more organic and it's not slowing you down. Um, you can't do that, obviously, all the time or in every situation. But I think that instead of thinking of training or procedure creating as a standalone, separate part of our practice, that the more we can integrate that into the culture and into our mindset and our workflow it's really going to go a long way. Sure. But can I just say one thing for anyone who might be listening, which is all of the problems and struggles that I'm having right now could have been quantified and multiplied if I would not have been doing the things that you guys have suggested I do. Being involved with John Fisher and the power of a system um, and putting those things into place. I'll give you the best example. A couple of weeks ago, Tyson was talking about uploading videos to a web platform. It was I, I texted him as soon as I listened to the podcast and said, this is a game changer. All the things I do now are video tutorials. I think that's great. I mean, video tutorials are fantastic. I, I, and you, you know, it's funny. You definitely deserve some credit. You jumped right on it and started right away. I mean, you were doing it within a day. It was fantastic. I have been doing them ever since, day in, day out. Every time I do something new, like Jim says, I just say, how can I put this in a video tutorial so I don't have to do it again? And one of the other things that you mentioned earlier in the call that I think is really important is that you are reassessing now where you are, and it's different from where you were when it was just you. And one of the things about growing a firm, it's like raising a kid, is that it's, it's an organic thing that's alive that changes over time, that has different threats, different successes, different problems. And to take that time to reset either on a monthly or quarterly basis and just sort of analyze where am I at? What am I doing right? You know, one of the things we do around here is we ask, you know, what are we doing well? What could we do better? And what should we stop doing? And I think what should we stop doing has been the biggest assist for us in, you know, letting things go and, and asking those questions of myself, I think is good too. You know, what are the things that Mike doesn't have to do anymore? I think making that list and sort of just keeping track from now until Friday of the kinds of things that you either don't think you should be doing, don't want to be doing, or don't need to be doing. I think that goes right along with Tyson's automation and, you know, delegation stuff. And Mike, what Jim's talking about, because Jim taught me this, you need to mark down everything. And Jim may not even remember telling me to do this, but a long time ago, he told me to just spend a week and write everything down that I do, every single thing. I mean, going to lunch, you know, I mean, you know, all the everything. So you keep a, a little journal with you and mark down everything. And you're going to see a lot more stuff that you can eliminate or that you can delegate or that you can outsource, whatever it is than you think. For example, as simple as just doing the video stuff, you can use virtual assistants for a lot of the little small things and they, they work on an hourly basis and as soon as you upload it and give them the work they do it, it's the turnaround time is pretty small. Even though it may seem like, oh, I don't need to delegate this or it's too small of a task. You add up all the small tasks and they make a lot of, they, they take up a big part of your time. 
if you can get that part of it knocked out by just making a list and see which things you can outsource, you're going to save yourself a ton of time at each week. I guarantee it. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. Can I ask you a question, Tyson? Absolutely. Would you kind of talk about the training day? I've kind of seen this lately. It's you go through something on your training manual. Is that right? We do two different ways. So the first way is we'll pick a part of the training manual to go over for that week. One week, I actually, we are having an issue with not getting all of the information from every lead as it comes through. I think that people were thinking, oh, we don't really need the email. And that's one of the most valuable things that I do need from a lead, even though if we're not taking the case. And so we went down and talked about the things we need from every single lead, no matter what. That was one week. Or I use Macs at the office and Kelsey and Angie use PCs. And so I've converted them to, to, to using Macs. And so one of the trainings that we did was an hour long training on the basics of using a Mac. So anything it is to we, we can do to improve the efficiency of the office, anything we can do to improve their skills. One week was on how to improve our skills on, on requesting medical records. So you can either pick a portion from your employee manual, which is good. I think that that's something that John Fisher has started doing is pull, pulling stuff from the employee manual. Or you can use things that actually help with your, your office in an inefficiency way that aren't necessarily in your user manual. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We will also meet, I'd say probably every six weeks. We don't really have it on a routine, but we'll sit down and we'll just simply ask the question, what are we doing that needs to be improved? What are we doing well? And that actually, the, the, the first part of it, what are, what are we doing that needs to be improved, gives me a list of ideas for training to improve our, our what, what we're doing, what our processes are. So that's another way of doing it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, I'm kind of learning this on the fly a little bit. So it's uh, having guys like you guys go through this stuff. And then, like I said, uh, connecting with all the people. We're all alumni of the uh, alumnus, I guess, of the uh, mastermind experience. So it is just awesome. I can't imagine not having... Uh, these problems, like I said, would be multiplied if I didn't have resources like this available. Yeah, mastermind so. experience. We can go ahead and plug that because I think that was it's career changing is what it is being a part of that because such a great group of people, smart people, and then also let's make sure plug John Fisher's book is the power of a system. You mentioned that before. If you're doing personal injury litigation, personal injury law. You should definitely read that book. It definitely tells you the systems you need to put in place to handle personal injury cases. Yeah. The other thing, too, about John's group and about what we're trying to do with the podcast is it's just plain and simple that running your own law firm is hard and it's difficult and it can be isolating. And I think just having people to bounce ideas off of. I mean, I've been inspired by some of the things you've done. Mike, tell us a little bit about your uh, Facebook Live thing that you did the last couple of weeks. Sure. So I've done a couple different things and this came directly from the mastermind experience, motivating me to do these things, getting outside of my uh, fear of being seen on uh, Facebook on a video. <laughs> I uh, just decided to start doing different videos about uh, things I care about. So I was at a safety conference a few weeks ago and I really am concerned about roadway safety. Some of the things I did was summarize what I had learned 
And my thought is, is that someone's more likely to click on that and watch that for a minute and a half than they are to read a post I write uh, about the same exact issue. And uh, I've gotten some really good feedback. And the other thing I decided to do separate from my law firm was just interview some people on Fire Talk about the amendments that are coming up as proposed for the election. So I covered the Amendment 6. And Amendment 3, I was hoping to get someone on to talk about Amendment 4, but that didn't pan out. So something I'm exploring, I'm just having fun with it, and I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just doing it anyway. Does that make sense? Sure, that's how we started the podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I, I think that what you're doing with the political talk is fantastic. I think you're building a community of people that are around you. I think it's awesome. I think that's a great idea. And I was just going to say, the first, I, I look forward to this podcast every week. So it is, like you said, the practice is isolating. It really is until you realize there are a lot of people out there having the same issues and they're willing to give you free information on how to deal with those issues. So thanks, guys. Oh, thank you. Well, I think this was our best call yet, don't you, Tyson? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So I think it's time for our hacks and tips and Mike's tip for the week. So uh, Tyson, why don't you go first? So I hate to plug another podcast, but I'm going to. This is actually by NPR, and it's How I Built This. It is awesome. It's it's not a really old one. It's fairly new, and they bring on people with established businesses to talk about how they built their companies. It is really awesome. They had the founder of Samuel Adams on not too long ago. They've got the music mogul L.A. Reid this week. It really is good and it gives you pointers on how to start your business, even if you're kind of starting from the ground up, things like that. So I think it's a fantastic podcast and they're pretty short, about 30 minutes each. Yeah, that's Guy Raz. I've listened to a couple of the episodes. They're, they're really fantastic and I've learned a lot just from listening to the two that I've listened to. If you're going to only listen to two of that one, listen to the one on Samuel Adams and then also the one on Airbnb. Both really good. So for my hack of the week, my hack, believe it or not, is an ink pen. Tyson has been running around with his little moleskin journals for a while now, and <laughs> I have started writing down my tasks and writing down things to remember, and it's just been so much more effective for me. I bought my own little notebook so I can look cool like Tyson, and <laughs> it's really made a big difference in writing down the, the six things I want to get done each day per the ultimate sales machine and keeping track of things. It just gets it out of my brain and frees me up to do bigger thinking. If you really want to nerd it up, Jimmy, there is a um, pen holder that goes over the front cover of the Moleskin. It's really nerdy, but I've added that to it. It's really good. So I I recommend it. All right, Mike, what do you got for us? I've been using Ring Central now for almost a year, and I love it. It is a web-based application. It's a cloud service, so uh, it allows for phone calls, and it uh, allows for faxing over the emails. I'll never go back to traditional faxing again. I send all my faxes out via email. All of them come in through the web-based application, and then I have the app for my phone that I can I can call out from my cell phone, and it puts my office phone number as the caller ID, and then I can check all of my faxes, forward them to my staff, from my phone, and then check voicemails from my phone as well. It's fantastic. I use it as well. I don't know if Jimmy, if you do, but I, I also use Ring Central. I've, I think I've had it for uh, three years, three and a half years now. I agree with you. It's, it's a really great resource for you. Something else that you can do is if you have the desktop, which is, this is really handy, much more handy than you might think. 
just picture you're at the office at the end of the day and you need to get on the road. Although I'm not advocating that you start that you drive and talk on your cell phone. If you need to, you can do a call flip and you can flip it over to your cell phone and vice versa. Where yep. without interrupting your call is a really great resource. I mean, that's just one small tool. There's a bunch of tools, but I think it's a great tip. Yep. And even if your internet source is weak, I found that you can actually just call out on your cell and it just allows for you to call out on your cell using your cell service. So if you're having some spotty internet service at the office or something and it's still mask your number, it's fantastic. All right. So this will bring this episode to a close. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And if you like this show, please be sure to share it with your friends. We're seeing a steady growth in the number of downloads each week. And it's because of great people like Mike who are listening and sharing and telling other people about it. Make sure to like us in the iTunes, uh, give us a good review and check us out on Maximum Lawyer on the Facebook group. So if you search Maximum Lawyer, you'll find our Facebook group. We're going to get that up and running now here to try to spread more information during the week when we're not actually podcasting. Also, we're now on Google Play, not just iTunes, but we're also on Google Play now. So tell your friends. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.